Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com for a Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend and got accomplished what you set out to do. Had a great uh, fundraiser yesterday at uh, Cheng Yang Li in Bo for breast cancer research. And that was a terrific event. And uh, kudos to uh, everyone who uh, was involved in uh, putting that together uh, yesterday. And uh, speaking of uh, cancer fundraisers, coming up on June 1st of this year, I know it's a long way off, but the plans have to be made. Uh, June 1st is the date this year for the Relay for Life event throughout the country, not only here in New Hampshire with a number of locations. And we're going to be talking about that on Thursday here on Kale & Company. So we want you to join us for that one. We want you to join us every day here for a terrific excitement on the radio from a little after 8 to 9 o'clock in the morning. Great to have you with us. And we are always presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. It's funny, uh, last week I had the chance to uh, talk with my grandson, who's almost 12, uh, about uh, NASCAR. And if he would like to uh, to join me at the NASCAR race in Loudoun this year, which I it's a great event, uh, whether you're really into NASCAR or even if you're not, it's a fun event uh, to be around. And uh, he said, it was, he's, and he's into cars, too, but he said he wasn't that interested. Uh, I said, well, maybe later in the year we could go to a demolition derby. And he was very excited about that, very excited about going to a demolition derby, uh, which are fun, too. I, I mean, personally, I, I, I prefer the NASCAR races, but, you know, to each his own. And he's young. And uh, I don't know if he watched yesterday. But the race from just outside Atlanta, uh, it, it had uh, more crashes than you could ever imagine at a demolition derby. Uh, there were so many yellow flags, and uh, I think there was a red flag at, at one point where they stopped the race uh, completely. A crash after crash after crash, and then wound up with an amazing finish as uh, Daniel Suarez... When I say nosed out, that might be an exaggeration. Uh, I mean, the, the margin of victory yesterday for Daniel Suarez over Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch was yeah, probably less than an inch. <laughs> it was a photo finish, to say the least. And it was the second win for Suarez in 253 cup races. And next Sunday, the cup race will be in Vegas. So uh, there you go. We're already two races in. And don't forget this year, the uh, NASCAR race in Loudoun will be, I believe, for the first time in June. It used to be July and September when we had two races. Now we just have one. And I think June is the perfect time for it. Uh, because it, it won't be uh, as blazing hot as it would be in uh, mid to late July or August. 
And it's a, it's a tough sit sometimes on those aluminum bleachers. I know people come prepared and bring their little chair backs and cushions and, and whatever. And they always come well prepared with a lot of beverages. That That is for sure. Uh, but uh, still, it'll be, I, I think, but you never know, a more comfortable day in June than it would be uh, in July for the race uh, at Loudoun. So, so there you go. There's our little NASCAR minute here on uh, Kale and Company. Of course, we'll be talking more about the race uh, as it approaches uh, in June. The Red Sox yesterday, I mean a lot of people, and justifiably so, have been, uh, you know, talking about the Red Sox in a negative light all winter long. They haven't given us much, you know, to really get excited about in terms of acquisitions. In fact, very little. Uh, one of those uh, people who are upset with the team is Rafi Devers. Rafi hit a three-run homer yesterday uh, for the Red Sox in their 8-6 to win over Minnesota at JetBlue Park in Fort Myers. But uh, last week it was reported that uh, Rafi was outspoken about the team's need for some help in the free agent market. But the Red Sox uh, ramping up at the start of spring training. Devers made it clear that he felt the franchise should have done more to improve the roster in the winter. Quoting Devers here, they need to make an adjustment to help us players to be in a better position to win. Everybody in this organization wants to win. We as players want to win. I think they need to make an adjustment to help us win. I'm not saying that the team is not okay right now, but they need to be conscious of what the weaknesses are and what we need, end quote. Uh, Devers batted 271 with 33 homers and 100 RBIs in 153 games last year for the Red Sox. But as... Anyone knows who follows the team? It was another last place finish for the Boston Red Sox, seventy-eight and eighty-four, last place in the American League East, third last place finish in the last four years, and for the Boston Red Sox, that is not acceptable. And the front office has taken considerable heat, and justifiably so, I do believe. Uh, not just from Raffy Devers, but from their fan base and the media. Because they obviously do have resources. I mean, if you can make, uh, if the organization that runs the Boston Red Sox can make a $3 billion, with a B, dollar investment into the PGA Tour, then I think they can afford maybe two or three free agent contracts. $3 billion to the PGA Tour? Not only that, but, you know, they have the uh, the soccer club in Liverpool, England. Uh, they have uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins of the National Hockey League. They have a NASCAR team in the NASCAR Cup Series. Roush, uh, Fenway, Keselowski Racing, RFK Racing owned by the Red Sox. So they have a lot of different enterprises. When they first took over the Red Sox, the John Henry ownership group with Tom Werner and at that time Larry Lucchino, although Larry is out of the organization now, or at least the Red Sox organization, uh, you know, their one focus was the Boston Red Sox to get them World Series championships. And they did, four of them to be exact. 
But the fans want more. Fans are not satisfied with four World Series championships since 2004. And understandably, they want more because they're one of the most loyal fan bases in baseball. They put up with a lot. I mean, Fenway's a great spot. But you put up with a lot either getting there on public transportation or having to pay uh, upwards of $50 to park within uh, a mile of Fenway. So, I mean, fans put up with a lot at Fenway, including a lot of bad seats, too. Which, you know, sometimes you ha- you have to sit in. You can't help it. But, you know, you get those bad seats behind the poles and, and you know, you miss a little bit of the action. But nonetheless, it's Fenway is a tourist attraction. And regardless, the Red Sox could go 0-162. And you would get people uh, visiting uh, Fenway Park to see it, to check it out, to hear what it's all about. But the focus of the ownership group has gone in other directions, as we uh, pointed out. But I did hear this morning... Peter Gammons, 78 years old, still going strong. Uh, Peter Gammons, formerly of the Boston Globe, now with The Athletic, uh, has uh, put out there on X, formerly known as Twitter, that the Red Sox are still in pursuit of left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery. So we shall see what happens uh, in in that uh, scenario. He's still out there. Uh, defending National League Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell is still a free agent. Uh, Those are just the pitchers that are out there. Uh, Over the weekend, Cody Bellinger re-signed with the Chicago Cubs, so he's off the market. I know J.D. Martinez is still out there as a free agent, but personally, I, I, I wouldn't want him back. Jordan Montgomery, I would welcome with open arms. I would not be as excited about Blake Snell. Well, maybe we'll find out how John Leahy feels about it after the break. Because you hear that music, folks. It's our traveling music. Remember Jackie Gleason had some traveling music on his Saturday night show? And away we go with this edition of Kale & Company, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental on deck is John Leahy, and he will inform us as uh, to everything that went on over the weekend in Hockey East. Right after these words, Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live for a Monday. A delight to have you along with us. And at this time every morning, we focus our attention on Hockey East and what took place uh, over the weekend. And a lot did. And joining us now is our Hockey East guru, John Leahy. John, good morning to you. Good morning. It's always a pleasure. Well, John, great to have you along with us. And you had a a weekend off from uh, Merrimack men's hockey anyway. Yes, the Warriors were idle, Ken, and uh, focused on the women this past weekend as uh, they finished up their regular season. So uh, we're steaming to the end here very quickly. 
It won't be long uh, until the uh, postseason is upon us in uh, college hockey, a very exciting time of the year. So uh, tell us about the the, uh, women's games over the weekend in hockey. We always start with the men. Let's start with the ladies this time. Yeah, well, the important thing uh, with the women, Ken, is that the playoffs are starting this week, and uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to send out congratulations to Chris McKenzie and the UConn Huskies for clinching their first-ever regular season hockey championship. Uh, UConn has 61 points, and the Huskies wrapped it up this past weekend as they defeated Boston University. So uh, congratulations to them. UConn will enter the playoffs as the number one seed. Uh, Northeastern and UNH both are picking up uh, big sweeps. The Wildcats may be the hottest team uh, right now on the women's side as they've won four in a row. And uh, so the playoffs are are now uh, ready to go, Ken. It's going to start Wednesday night uh, with two first-round games. The Holy Cross Crusaders will jump on the Mass Pike and head into Boston to take on the BU Terriers at Walter Brown Arena. And the Merrimack Warriors will head north. They'll head up to Warren O'Maine to take on the Maine Black Bears. Both of those games are at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. The two winners will move on into the Hockey East quarterfinals, which will kick off on Saturday. The two surviving teams from this first round will move on and uh, take on uh, UConn and Northeastern. The the first-round matchups, three of them are all set. Vermont will come to the Whittemore Center to take on UNH. You're going to have Providence. Uh, taking on Boston College uh, as well. That's going to be the uh, 5-4 matchup. So uh, actually two of the matchups are set. We'll figure out the other two uh, when the first round is done. Yep, absolutely. And how how about those Huskies? I mean, uh, you know, normally we talk about uh, Northeastern, and and they finished second, 10 points behind UConn. But but, uh, what a a year it was for the the UConn Husky women's team. Yeah, it sure was. I've had plenty of opportunities to chat with Chris McKenzie, uh, the head coach at UConn, and uh, he's done a terrific job. You know, they were nearly unbeatable on their home ice this year. They only lost two games uh, at their brand-new Toscano Ice Forum down in uh, Storrs, Connecticut. So, uh, you know, really happy for UConn, and uh, they're going to take a few days and recharge, and UConn will play the lowest remaining seed, uh, and that. Uh, will be determined after we finish up with Wednesday night's opening round. Uh, taking a, a little bit, uh, you know, of uh, the spot, a little bit of the spotlight from uh, uh, Gino Oriyama and the women's basketball team down there. Yeah, I'm really glad to see UConn uh, thriving in hockey. I think the new building they have down there in stores has had a lot to do with it. But, uh, you know, I had a chance to broadcast two of their games against Merrimack this year and, uh, UConn is such a smothering team on defense. They have two uh, uh, goaltenders that uh, could start anywhere. And, uh, you know, they've just put it all together, and uh, I'm very happy for them. And they're going to be an extremely tough out as the women's playoffs get underway. And, you know, the great part of it is, John, that, uh, you know, women's hockey I, I don't think has ever been in the spotlight as much as it is now, especially with the addition of the Women's Professional Hockey League. A lot of uh, former Hockey East players and New England players are getting an opportunity uh, to play on a, on a professional basis. Yeah, very true. That's a very exciting league. I know a lot of people that are involved with that league, and uh, it, it's exciting to see it hit the ground. And also, you know, from the college perspective, 
I mean, you had the bean pot at the Garden this year. Yeah. Uh, the, the championship round of the Garden. And, uh, you know, I've spoken with, uh, well, I had a conversation with Dave Flint a few weeks ago when we saw him. Uh, you know, Dave is under the, of the opinion that uh, the Garden is going to continue to try and get that uh, tournament at the Garden, at least the championship for now. And, you know, if they can, you know, get enough people in the seats, hopefully we'll expand that tournament so it will, uh, you know, have both rounds of the bean pot there. But, you know, the women have their own Frozen Four again as well. And that's an exciting uh, time of the year. It's exciting to go through that process just as the men do. So really happy about where the women, how the women's game is growing. And I'll actually be talking to Paige Capistran on my podcast this week. Uh, Paige is a reporter who's done a lot of work for Nesson. She's a former Northeastern player. We're going to preview the women's playoffs on the podcast this week. So we're excited about where the women's game is going. No doubt about that. They've been uh, making strides for uh, a lot of years. But now, I think, especially in light of the fact that they can uh, go on and, you know, make some money. Uh, you know, playing the game they love uh, is is terrific. So, uh, women's hockey, I don't think, has ever been in the in the spotlight more uh, than it is right now. How about uh, the men's uh, results over the weekend, John? Well, Ken, over the weekend, uh, you know, no surprise, Boston College and Boston University continue uh, to roll on. The Eagles swept the Vermont Catamounts this weekend, uh, while the uh, BU Terriers. Also won both of their games, uh, beating UConn. So, in terms of the top spots on the men's side, it, it's really coming down to BC and BU. Uh, the Eagles and the Terriers will finish one and two. It's just a matter of which team uh, gets the nod. Maine uh, is in third, but uh, the Black Bears have hit their first slump of the year as they lost four out of their last five. Maine, it, it appeared a few weeks ago, had a real iron grip on third place, but uh, they've got Providence breathing down their neck now, along with UMass. And then UNH is in sixth place. There's only five points separating teams three through six. Providence plays Thursday night, so the Friars could actually leapfrog over the Black Bears into third place. Northeastern uh, split up in Maine. Big win for the Huskies at Orono uh, on Saturday night, bouncing back after a loss on Friday. So you've got uh, Northeastern, UConn, and Vermont separated by three points, and then Merrimack and UMass Lowell bringing up the rear. So... Uh, you know, I was thinking about the, the men's hockey East uh, tournament, which is coming up, and uh, I don't want to disrespect Maine in any way because I think the Black Bears are going to go to the Garden, but I can't help thinking it's going to be a BCBU final the way uh, things are going. And boy, two electric teams, and wouldn't that be an incredible final? Wow. It it would be. Uh, both teams with uh, a number of players that are destined for the uh, National Hockey League, uh, and uh, certainly that rivalry, the longtime rivalry uh, between the Eagles and the Terriers. Uh, if that turned out to be the Hockey East final, boy, you know the Garden would be electric on that night. Yeah, absolutely. We got a little taste of it at the bean pot, right? Right. First, huh? Yeah. And uh, that game was decided uh, at the very end with uh, BU winning. Uh, so, yeah, as we move on into this week, uh, again, we've got some more great games. Uh, we've got a couple of teams idle this week. Boston University will be off. And uh, they well, actually, they're the only team that's off. Is, uh, we'll, we'll kick up league play again on Thursday night. And uh, I'm excited about uh, this last couple of weeks. It's going to be uh, tremendous to watch. No, no, no doubt about it. What does what your uh, list of assignments uh, have on it this weekend? Oh, this for this week. 
Well, Thursday night, Ken, I'll be at Snyder Arena in Providence. Ironically, I'm doing the Merrimack Providence men's game Thursday night, but I'm doing it for Providence Radio. Okay, yeah. So, uh, that's going to be a little unique. Uh, Friday night, I'll have the rematch between the two teams up in North Andover, and uh, that's it. I've got Thursday and Friday this week. So uh, it's my final two-game week of the season. So uh, looking forward to seeing the Warriors and the Friars flash twice. No doubt about that. Doing doing the call on the radio uh, in Providence. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've had the good fortune to uh, help out Mike Logan on the Friar broadcast this year, and uh, it's been a great thrill for me to do that. So I've got a couple of more games down in Rhode Island, and uh, we have the Merrimack-Providence game Thursday night, and uh, that game will be on ESPN+. Plus, and Mike Logan will have the call there. And uh, then Friday night, the Friars come to North Andover, and uh, Mike Macknick and I will have that one on ESPN+. Plus. Outstanding. You guys do a terrific job and uh, have done a great job for, for many, many years covering uh, the Merrimack College Warriors. And, John, as always, we appreciate the time you spend with us here on the, these Monday mornings. They're down to a precious few right now, John. Yeah, really, guys. I... I, I couldn't agree more, Ken. The UNH, if you're, for your New Hampshire listeners, the Wildcats will tear all the listeners, right? The Wildcats will take on Boston College this weekend. They'll play at the Whittemore Center on Friday, and then they'll return to Conti Forum on Saturday. So big test for the Wildcats, but still a chance to move ahead in the standings. Ken, I thank you again for having me on. It's great talking hockey with you. Well, John, and, uh, and you know, just because the hockey season is coming to an end, doesn't mean that John Leahy will no longer be on Kale & Company because, folks, John is coming up here to uh, to do a show and it will have nothing to do with hockey. John will be serenading us for an hour here at uh, Kale & Company in the not-too-distant future. So we look forward to that too, John. Yeah, Ken, I'm really excited about that. Uh, anytime you can play music for people, it's a good day. And, uh I know we'll continue to negotiate a time, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all right. You're a tough negotiator, John, but we will come up with something. <laughs> looking forward to it, John. All right. Have a good day, John. Thank you. John Leahy, our Hockey East guru. Kale & Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Gale and Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. How about that high of 48 today? Tell you what, I've, I've spent uh, opening days at Fenway Park in colder temperatures than that. And this is February. But at any rate, probably won't last, but if uh, you want to get out, take a nice walk, I guess the next three days... Uh, will be the time for it. Nice, mild temperatures, at least for this time of the year. Maybe some uh, snow uh, or rain on a Wednesday. But, hey, enjoy it while you can, right? Uh, I hope you picked up yesterday's Sunday Concord Monitor. An historic one, for sure. Because it will be the final ever Sunday Concord Monitor. They're no longer going to print on Sundays. All the information will be available online that would have been in the Sunday paper. And they're going to have a big uh, paper on Saturday rather than Sunday now. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're doing it that way. There are some papers out there that don't even publish six days a week. I know for a long time now, the Nashua Telegraph has only published on Sunday. And uh, the other six days, it's, it's online. So the Concord Monitor will still be publishing six days a week, but no longer on Sunday. So I pick up the Monday Concord Monitor today. And what do you think the headline is? We, we talked about this last week. A scramble to save a 603 area code above the fold. That's the big story. Written by David Brooks, who's a great writer and uh, did an article about WKXL not too long ago that was outstanding. It even had uh, the names of yours truly and Andrew Gibson in that, in that article. But I don't say he's an outstanding writer uh, for that reason, but he is a very good, uh, does great research. So I'm going to read uh, David's column uh, almost verbatim. I'm sure I'll have some comments along the way. His article, uh, New Hampshire residents love our 603 area code, even though area code uh, codes mean less and less in the cell phone number uh, world. And for 30 years, well, we've been freaking out about reports that we're going to run out of numbers and we'll need a second area code. Some people have been freaking out. I don't know of too many, honestly, but at least there's that perception that uh, people are freaking out about a new area code. I didn't say that. I, I, David didn't say that. I said that. Uh, this seems weird because, uh, in theory, an area code can include 7.7 million different seven-digit phone numbers even after skipping combinations that aren't allowed, such as exchanges starting with zero, which is far more than we need, 7.7 million. But phone numbers are allocated in a very inefficient manner because of how the telephone switching network was constructed in the pre-digital era. That, that's all over my head. Not, not, uh, not David's head, but my head. Uh, overcoming those inefficiencies... It explains why New Hampshire has been told several times since 1990, 1990, some 34 years ago, can you believe that, that 603 was getting full, only to be told later that there was room for more numbers after all. Last fall, Governor Chris Sununu, who uh, knows a good political stand when he sees one, issued an executive order telling state regulators to investigate durable strategies for lengthening the useful life of the 603 area code. That's popular, but not necessarily effective. Phone numbers are overseen by the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, and not individual states. Still, we're trying as WMUR reports, a hearing was held uh, last week on a bill telling the state to do everything it can to extend the life of 603. That includes things like doing a full inventory of all the phone numbers in the state and making sure blocks of numbers that are not being used are made available again which are useful and intelligent actions that could help convince the FCC 
to hold off, hold off on that second area code. Now, area codes, you know how far they go back? Andrew, any guesses as to when area codes became a thing? Ooh, I'm not a. I will say this: it was sure. uh, well, well before you were born. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yep. And it, it was even, believe it or not, even before I was born. Now, the area codes oh. were. Give it, give it a, a good, a good try here. I'm going to give it a wild guess. I'm going to say 1940s. I don't know the yeah, well, exact that's, year, that, but I'm well, going to say 40s. It was in the 40s. Area codes were created as part of the North American Numbering Plan in 1947. Oh, there you go. To standardize phone systems and allow interconnection while keeping phone numbers unique. Its rules determine how carriers dole out phone numbers in geographic areas covered by phone exchanges, which are the first three digits of a seven-digit phone number. Uh, The original switched network design of the telephone system meant that each exchange had 10,000 potential phone numbers corresponding to the final four digits of the phone number from 0000 to 9999. The problem is the technology required the 10,000 numbers to be handed out as a big block, even if there weren't enough customers in the service area to need them, meaning many numbers went unused. In recent years, the system has been improved so that, so that all 10,000 don't have to be handed out all at once, but we're still not able to hand out numbers one at a time. New Hampshire is one of the several states that has asked the Federal Communications Commission to allow far more efficient assigning of phone numbers. So there you go. They're still, we're still, folks, we're still holding out hope that 603 will be our only area code. Because, you know, God forbid if we should add another one. (laughs) I honestly don't know too many people that are freaking out about it. I really don't. Maybe I'm running the wrong circle of friends. I I don't think anyone uh, really cares. I really don't. I think this is a, a, a concern that is sparked by the media just to give them something to talk about. Like I am right now. I'm as guilty as the next guy or girl. I, I don't know. I, if you have any concerns about it, I'd like to hear uh, what, what you have to say. 603-224-1450 if you would like to uh, react. to. Hey, do you know people that are really freaking out about this? I think I said last week, you know, if you're really freaking out about adding another area code... I think there might be other issues in your life. If this is your big concern. Because if you have a 603 number, it's not going away. Or at least, you know, I I don't think it is. 603 will always be a part of New Hampshire. Like I said, uh, for a long time, there were only two area codes in Massachusetts. The eastern part of the state, 617 Western part at 413, since that time, which, you know, was back maybe in the early 70s, uh, they're up to nine area codes in Massachusetts. Talk about freaking out. Can you imagine the people in Massachusetts? Nine area codes they have to keep track of. 
in Massachusetts. I'm not sure about Maine. I think uh, 207 is their only area code. I could be wrong because Lord knows I've been wrong many times. But if anybody's really freaking out about it, tell me why. I'd like to hear. 603-224-1450. Maybe you can convince me that this is a thing. So far, I'm really not, except what's out there in the media and what the government has to say. Give us a call, 603-224-1450, if you're one of those save 603ers out there. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here. WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by the good folks at Northeast Delta Dental. And we will be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL and for a Monday. We're going to be talking uh, tomorrow on the program with the Department of Safety. A new segment that we're going to have uh, on the final Tuesday of uh, every month. And Wednesday, Dan Weed, Weed Family Automotive, will be joining us for the full hour. And then on Thursday, we will be talking about the Relay for Life, which will benefit, as it has for many years, the American Cancer Society. It's a tremendous event, raises a lot of money for cancer research, and not only research, but people who need places to stay when loved ones are hospitalized or they need rides to appointments. It uh, does uh, a lot of good, so uh, you'll want to hear about the Relay for Life if you're not familiar with it. It has been around a while, but I know there are still some who uh, don't have familiarity with it and uh, might want to take part in the uh, the events which will take place around New Hampshire on June 1st, which is a Saturday from uh, noon to 9 in most of the uh, locations that will be involved. Well, folks, you didn't miss it. You, you didn't miss it. Uh, President Biden is preparing uh, to deliver a State of the Union address before a joint session of Congress after again missing his deadline to present spending and national security plans to Congress. Now, some Republicans in Congress want to hold Biden and future presidents accountable to the deadline with a simple penalty. No plans on time. No grand speech under a proposal titled the Submitted Act. The Submitted Act. S-U-B-M-I-T-I-T. Short for Send Us Budget Materials and International Tactics in Time. The Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, updated several times. Uh, requires a president to submit his budget request to Congress no later than the first Monday in February. The National Security Act of 1947 requires the president to submit a national security proposal for the same day, but there is no enforcement mechanism for either, which is where the Submitted Act could Come in. President Biden was uh, due on February 5th, the budget, 
Uh, yet Congress has seen nothing. Representative Buddy Carter, Republican from Georgia, has uh, sponsored the bill. And he went on to say that this is irresponsible until Congress receives the president's national security strategy and budget. He has no business delivering a state of the union address. End quote. The submitted act would prohibit House or Senate leadership from inviting the president to address a joint session of Congress until Congress gets both plans. If passed, the bill would take effect. The State of the Union uh, going into 1925 and onward, it would impact the State of the Union. And uh, this won't have any impact on Biden's State of the Union address this year, which is scheduled. Now, circle your calendars, folks. The State of the Union address is scheduled for March 7th. March 7th will be when the State of the Union address will be delivered by Joe Biden. His tardiness is not unique, however, as his four immediate predecessors from both parties were also late in getting their plans to Congress, including his likely 2024 Republican opponent, Donald Trump. So rather than a partisan problem, it's largely a long-running issue between the two branches of government. So get it in, Joe. March 7th, he'll be stepping up to the podium to deliver the State of the Union Address. Uh, by the way, uh, Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, who's the niece of Mitt Romney, will formally resign her position after the March 5th Super Tuesday primaries, weeks after former President Trump asked her to step down. The announcement comes three weeks after Trump revealed his recommendations for changes Within the RNC earlier in the month, he proposed that North Carolina GOP chair Michael Watley take over as chairman, while his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, and campaign senior advisor Chris Lasavita also receive leadership positions. McDaniel said in a statement, it's been the honor and privilege of my life to serve the Republican National Committee for seven years as chair, chairwoman and elect Republicans and grow our party. I have decided to step aside at our spring training on March 8th in Houston to allow our nominee to select a chair of their choosing. The RNC has historically undergone change once we have a nominee, and it has always been my intention to honor that tradition. I remain committed to winning back the White House and electing Republicans up and down the ballot in November uh, before thanking her family and the RNC staff. As he uh, has moved closer to securing the Republican nomination uh, with a win over Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina on Saturday, Trump has been uh, ramping up his calls for changes and new leadership at the GOP's National Party Committee. So uh, there you go. That's a couple of the uh, political stories of the day, which is Monday, February 26th, 2024. It is Carnival Day. 
I don't know of any carnivals in this area on uh, February the 26th. I could be wrong. I don't think there are any carnivals going on in this neck of the woods on uh, this February day, even though uh, temperatures are going to approach 50 degrees. Uh, it's also Levi Strauss Day. And, of course, I, I guess uh, he's most synonymous with jeans. Are, are you wearing your, your Levi's today, uh, Andrew? Uh, I am not wearing Levi's, no. Oh, okay. No. Right. I, I mean, I'm wearing jeans, but not not, not, Levi's. not Levi's. I I think I have Wranglers on. I think I have Wranglers. <laughs> They're, 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 they're probably cheaper than Levi's. That's why I'm wearing them. I feel like uh, we have a day for everything these yeah, days. We do. We do. Like it's, it's also National Personal Chef Day. Do you, Andrew Gibson, have a personal chef? That's a little too rich for my blood. Yeah. I think that falls into the 1% category. Uh, I think you're probably right about that. I know I don't, for sure. But if you did, if you did, Andrew... Uh, what's, what's the dish that you would like your personal chef to cook the most? Oh, that is a tough one. I know. That's a very tough one. I I would say something steak-based, I guess. Steak-based. Okay. Very good. I would, I would like seafood. Seafood's Uh, good, too. Yep. Seafood. I would like uh, a chef that would, uh, would, uh, you know, do a lot of seafood because I, I think that is the most difficult at least it would seem to me to be to prepare for someone who knows nothing about the culinary arts like myself uh, to prepare something good uh, from the seafood world. I mean, yes, you can throw, you know, a lobster into a boiling pot of water. I think most people can do that. But to, you know, do some of the more intricate, you know, dishes involving uh, scallops and shrimp and clams and fish of all kinds. I, I would like, I, that's what I would uh, want a personal chef for, although it's never going to happen. Uh, it's also a National Pistachio Day. Where do you come down on pistachios, Andrew? Uh, pistachios, I could take them or leave them. I mean, they're good, but um, I, I think the, the amount of pistachio-flavored things, I think, is a little too high. That's my opinion. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you. I, I think they're overrated myself. Uh, and they're very expensive. They are. And pistachios are very, they're probably the most expensive nut out there. I'm more of a cashew guy myself. Oh, yeah. I, w- I would much prefer cashews, peanuts, for that matter, to uh, uh, pistachios. So I'm not a big pistachio guy uh, either. And it's also thermos bottle day. I guess there are some uh, people who still take thermos bottles to work. And uh, in an effort to maybe save our environment a little bit, not always taking the the plastic water bottles or whatever might be uh, uh, in in plastic, and taking thermos uh, thermos bottle with soup or a beverage or, or whatever. Do you remember a thermos that you had in your youth, uh, Andrew? I think I had a traditional thermos. Uh, I didn't use it too often. Um... I don't recall ever drinking soup out of it either. No? No soup? No soup uh, in your thermos? No, but now I use this little thing that I put my coffee in every morning, so yeah. there's that. Well, there you go. And uh, I, I remember the one, I had a couple of thermoses when I was a kid and used to take a lunchbox to school. And the one thermos that stands out in my mind for no particular reason is a Roy Rogers thermos uh, that I had back in the day. That's the only one I remember. I, I, th- I had maybe two or three more. 
I've never really been a big uh, user of, of a thermos myself, but the Roy Rogers thermos really stands out to me. Well, folks, I want you to stand by for some terrific programming here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And uh, Slim is uh, like on a semi-vacation this week for his uh, sports machine at 10. I think he's going to be checking in uh, from Florida today. And uh, I'll be hosting the show, the sports machine, on Wednesday. So uh, looking forward to that. That'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company Live, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And remember to always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Monday, everybody.